Well, good morning. How's everybody? Good. All excited to be here, ready to go. Extra hour of sleep. It's always good. Welcome to everybody joining us on live stream. Thanks for coming and hanging out with us via the web. Uh, before I get started today, um, if you haven't gotten to meet me, my name is John. I get to be the teaching pastor here. And we're going to do some teaching today. So today's going to be a little more of a workshop than a typical message for you. But we'll see how it goes. You can tell me later. Before I get into that, though, we do have a special announcement. Today is Influencers Night. At 4 o'clock, we're going to get back together as a church, and we're going to talk about what has God been doing here and what is God uh, looking to do in us and through us for the future. And I can't ask you enough to please come and be a part of this tonight as we look to truly be the family that God has called us to be. We talk about this a lot, that we're a family. Well, it's, a, it's the one family meeting a year. Right? We don't ask a lot. We don't have a lot of these. We ask you to come to be a part of this to hear what's going on, but also to share your ideas and your influence. So please come, please be a part of this. We are not live streaming this uh, just because there's some topics that we need to talk about. Uh, we will email it out tomorrow, uh, yeah, tomorrow to uh, those on our email list, but really to be here, to share your influence, to share your input would be vital for us. So again, it's at four o'clock. God gave you an extra hour today. Let's give it to the church. That'd be great. Come spend an hour here, hear from Pastor Tim, his heart, and just all that's been happening. There's been so much happening even behind the scenes that maybe you're not aware of, so it'd be great to be able to know what God continues to do in and through this place. And right after, we're going to head to the gym, have some desserts together, and you get a chance to grill Pastor Tim with your questions. Sound good? Make him sweat a little bit? So start thinking now, what questions could we ask him? Now, really, truly, uh, come tonight uh, at 4 o'clock. We would love to have you be a part of that. So today we are continuing our series in Nehemiah as we look at a God who rebuilds and restores and repairs. Now, a couple of weeks ago, I had challenged you to spend some time, to spend the last two weeks praying to God, reading His Word, and even talking to those in your life who are faith-filled leaders in your life to see what would God want to do and rebuild in your life. Now, maybe you weren't here with us two weeks, or maybe this is your first week here, and if you're a guest, hey, thanks for coming and hanging out with us. Um, well, you got a little bit of time to try and think of what God would want to rebuild in your life. It was a challenge that I put out there two weeks ago, and I really believe that there is something behind the reason that we're preaching on Nehemiah right now and why things just kind of have fallen into the place and into the lineup that it has. So I asked you to really make a commitment to see what would God rebuild in your life. So today we're going to look at that. We're going to look at, hey, what's your answer? But not, not only that, where are we going to go from here? And what I love about looking at the book of Nehemiah, and it was brought up in my Bible class last week as we were doing some Bible study on uh, a few of the chapters, of how awesome it is of our God that he constantly always does something first to prove that we can trust in him. And what he does in Nehemiah in the first six chapters is he rebuilt the wall, but now in the second half of Nehemiah, he's looking to rebuild his people. And how cool it is, how, how inspiring it is that our God would say, hey, okay, I'm going to rebuild a wall so that I can rebuild my people, so that you can see what I can do, so you can see what I can accomplish, so that you can trust in me. God's not into building walls. The wall wasn't his ultimate objective. The ultimate objective was to rebuild his people. And so even as we walk through this book of Nehemiah together, we see God do something miraculous as a wall that was destroyed for over 140 years, something that no one thought could ever be rebuilt, was rebuilt in just 52 days. And now he wants to rebuild something in your life. So often we can get stuck in the messes of the past and we can get stuck in what's happened in the past and, and God wants to finally get you out of that mess so that it doesn't continue to restrain what God wants to do in your future. 
God has plans for you. He wants to rebuild something in your life. And today we're going to really challenge ourselves to say, you know what, I'm not going to get stuck in the messes of the past because I think what happens a lot of times is when someone challenges you with this idea of what does God want to rebuild, I tend to notice in myself, the first thing that we think of is really what God wants us a lot of times. A lot of times we know exactly what God wants to rebuild in our lives. A lot of times we know exactly where we're struggling. We know what relationship is struggling. We know what emotions aren't healthy in our lives, that we're struggling with anger or resentment. We know that there are some financial issues in our life or life in our our work or, or life between us and someone we care about or even in our faith life. We know what it is and what we often do is we go, that one's way too big and we put it to the side and we try and wait and then we say, okay God, now tell me what I'm really going to do. And the whole time, God's like, hey, I, I told you. It's right back here. I had people tell you. I've had people you know, be honest with you and share with you and open this up to you. And you kept going, no, that's too big. That's going to cost me too much. It's going to be too hard. I can't do that. And God's going, I built an entire wall in 52 days with a bunch of people who didn't know how to build a wall. I think I can handle that. I think I can do that. And so that's what I want to challenge us with today is not only recognize what does God want to rebuild in your life, but realize as well that our God is a respecter of people. He does not force himself on you. He does not force you to do and to be a part of what he wants you to do. He asks you to join in. And what we see in chapters 9 and 10 in Nehemiah is we see the people joining in to what he wants to do in and through their lives as he seeks to rebuild them. And what they do is they lay out their plan. They lay out what's happening. They lay out what they see is God's direction in their life as he wants to rebuild them. And what that helps to do is it helps them to not only realize the mess that they've been in and what God wants to rebuild in them, but it helps them to keep from falling back in that same mess. I'm not saying they don't. We'll talk about it in the next few weeks. But often laying this out and being honest with ourselves and, and writing this down and really struggling through this helps us to not make some of the same mistakes. I think of even when we built our house that we're currently in. Building a house, it's fun and it's exciting, except for the fact that it's expensive. There's all these extra things that I did. Oh, I have to get grass? Like, doesn't that just grow? <laughs> I have to put blinds? You mean my neighbors don't want to see me? You know what I mean? Like, I, all this stuff's expensive. And so what it is, it put us in this debt that we never thought we would have. And we just kept trying to pay on it, and it just wasn't working. So finally, we had a solution of, you know, let's do a home equity loan, and we can, you know, take care of it in one fell swoop. But we had to have a plan in place to make sure we didn't just fall back into having debt again. And so this is what this is designed to help us to do today, is to be honest with ourselves, to, to see what God wants to do in your life, but also to walk us through the plan so that we don't just go after rebuilding a wall without knowing what exactly God wants us to do and how to be a part of it. So what we're going to do is we're going to take a look at Nehemiah chapters 9 and 10 today, because I think there's a great plan laid out in those chapters, and on page 404 in the Bibles in front of you, if you're in the front row, it's underneath your chair, and I'd love for you to open it up with us. We're going to look at a lot of the verses. If you aren't reading along with us, we've sent out the reading plans. You can see the reading plan is on uh, the back of the bulletin as well for the next, or the back of your uh, sermon notes as well for the next week, so you know what we're reading. Basically, it's two chapters until there's only one chapter left. So I'd encourage you to read this if you haven't. There's so much in here that I cannot cover in the, the few moments that we have together. So the first thing that we see, the first thing that we see from God's people is they're looking at God wanting to rebuild them as a people. As we see them repent. We see them turn to God and repent and admit to their God where they have failed, not only just them, but even their ancestors. We see this in the first two verses of chapter 9. 
Now on the 24th day of this month, the people of Israel were assembled with fasting and in sackcloth and with earth on their heads, dirt on their face. They were so torn up. And it says, and the Israelites separated themselves from all foreigners and stood and confessed their sins and the iniquities of their fathers. So as you look towards that big wall, that big thing that God wants to rebuild in your life, the question is, where do you need to start with some repentance, some confession? Now here's the thing, you may be saying, well, John, I didn't tear down my wall, somebody else did, I'm a victim in this. I can understand that. There are things in my life right now where I can say, you know, I didn't tear down the wall, someone else did, but I can still see how who I am or even in my past or something in my family has helped kind of create or put me in the situation that I'm in today. I can look and see that my struggle with codependency kind of travels throughout my family and see it down the family line. And what that does is it allows me to be in situations that aren't always the best and in relationships that aren't always the best. And so it puts me in, in, in this place where my wall has been broken down. And so I can repent and I can understand and I can be bold and talk to my God and acknowledge to him that and I've had some part to play in this. This is what they're doing. This wall was broken down way before these people were alive. And yet they're, they're bold enough to say, God, we're sorry. We're sorry. And here's the thing. This is not to cause guilt or shame. This is not to try and turn you away from being the victim that you are. But instead, to just grab a hold of the truth and where it is. The truth of what you've struggled with. The truth of maybe the part that you've played. Even in a small way. But so much so, it's not just about the truth being out there as it is that God's bigger truth of his grace can overcome that. And when we don't admit our sin to him, when we don't admit our struggles, when we don't repent to him, he's not able to cover that over for us. Because what we're doing is we're saying, God, no, I can take care of this. And so here's what the people did. They not only repented, but then they encountered this God of theirs, this loving and gracious God. And they encountered him in the one place that he promises to be, and that's in his word. The very Bibles you're holding right now, he says, I'm there. I'm present in this word. As you read this word, you're, you're knowing me and you're understanding me. And we see in Nehemiah 9.3, they stood up in their place and read from the book of the law of the Lord their God for a quarter of the day. For another quarter of it, they made confession and worshiped the Lord their God. For six hours they stood and heard the word of God. For six hours after, they confessed some more. They started with repentance. They heard God's word. They heard his grace and his truth and his promises. They understood of all who he was. And then they confessed some more because they realized they could. God is safe and I can confess to you. I can give this over to you. So as you look at what does God want to rebuild in your life, where is God calling you to encounter him? What needs to change in your life to leave space for you to encounter him more? To be in his presence more? To read his word more? To hear his word more? And why? Because that gives us what we then believe in. We believe and they believe in who God is and what he does. And over and over again in chapter 9, you see the promises of God and how he fulfills them. This is what we hold on to because rebuilding is not an easy process. Rebuilding is not a painless process. There are things that you're going to walk through that you may not want to walk through over the next 52 days as God rebuilds. But what you do is you hold on to, this is my God who is doing this. And he has followed through on promise after promise after promise. And we see it all throughout chapters 9 and 10. A small part of this we see 
says, you are the Lord, you alone, you have made heaven, the heaven of heavens, with all their hosts, the earth and all that is on it, the seas and all that is in them, and you preserve all of them, and the host of heaven worships you. You are the Lord, the God who chose Abram and brought him out of Ur of the Chaldeans and gave him the name Abraham. You found his heart faithful before you and made him the covenant to give to his offspring the land of the Canaanite, the Hittite, the Amorite, the Perizzite, the Jebusite, and the Gergesite. That's fun. And you have kept your promise, for you are righteous. Think of this. This is what they're doing. This is what we believe, and we believe in this God that we read about for six hours. We're going to hold on to who he is. He is the creator of everything. He is the one who has made promise after promise and fulfilled promise after promise. He has never let, down, let us down once. And so as you step into this day of rebuilding, as it starts today and for the next 52 days, asking God, what are you going to rebuild? God, and walking with him in the rebuilding process, what are those promises you're going to hold on to of who God is? What are those things that you need to believe about God and know of who he is and how he works? Now again, they, they didn't treat this lightly. They spent some time in understanding as well how their past was impacting their present, how their yesterdays were impacting their todays. They were honest with themselves. They didn't bury themselves, their, their head in the sand. Because honestly, a lot of times what I hear from people when they're going through things, you hear a lot of blame of other people. Well, it's their fault, or it's, it's this person's fault. Or the one that I love, you hear it even more, is why is God doing this to me? And again, here we see God's people being honest. And saying, they're saying, we don't like our situation, but we know where it comes from. We see that in chapter 9, 36 and 37. So behold, we are slaves this day. We don't like it. This is not what we want to do. In the land that you gave to our fathers to enjoy, its fruit and its good gifts. Behold, we're slaves. Its rich yield goes to the kings who you have set over us because of our sins. They rule over our bodies and over our livestock as they please. We are in great distress. They don't... They don't sugarcoat it. They're honest with God. We're slaves and we're in distress. But we also recognize that it's because of the sins that have gone before us, the sins that we have committed and people have committed before us. We're going to own up to it, God. We're going to understand. Why? Not again, not to beat ourselves up, but so that we realize that we don't want to get stuck in the mess of yesterday. We don't want to get stuck where we always have been. We want to understand and learn from it so that we can move on, so that God can finally take us out of that mess and rebuild us and move us to follow our Messiah. So for you, what are those things that you need to understand about your past, to understand about your family history, to understand about decisions you've made, and then see, see how God wants to release you of that to move forward? And as they've done that, after they did that, they then invested in a new direction. They said, no, we know where we're going. We're not going to get stuck in the mess. We're not going to just keep repeating the past. We're not just going to be stubborn and just keep over and over again saying, no, we're just going to stay in the mess, stay in the mess. No, we're going to learn from it, and now we're going to invest in a new direction. And what I love is that they invested something real. They put their name to it. 
They signed a contract. We see it in Nehemiah 9.38. Because of all this, we make a firm covenant in writing. On the sealed document are the names of our princes, our Levites, and our priests. They invested in a new direction. So maybe you're a little hesitant to see what God wants you to do because you realize you know what God wants you to do. You know what he wants you to be a part of. He, you know what he wants to rebuild in your life. But you think, man, it's just going to cost too much. It's going to be too difficult. It's going to cost me this position at my job, or it's going to cost me this friendship, or it's going to cost me something that I think I need, but really I know it's not what's right for me. It's going to cost me finances. It's going to cost me time. It's going to cost me just too much. What I'd say is, what do you need to invest in what God wants to rebuild? They were willing to invest their names. They were willing to invest whatever they would cost in order to receive what God wanted to rebuild in their lives. And then after they made that commitment to invest, they then laid out their, their plans. And these aren't just any plans. These aren't just, well, here's the plans that I want to do. Because often we can do that. We can go, okay, well, God wants to rebuild this because that's what I want. And here's how God's going to rebuild it because that's how I want it to be rebuilt. It's not what they did. They looked to God's word. They saw what needed to be rebuilt and how it needed to be rebuilt. And so they spent time reading through God's Word, and there's so much in chapter 10 that you can read of their plans and how they laid them out, and just a couple of verses of it is the rest of the people, the priests, the Levites, the gatekeepers, the singers, the temple servants, and all who have separated themselves from the people of the lands of the law of God, their wives, their sons, their daughters, all who have knowledge and understanding, join with their brothers, their nobles, and enter into a curse and an oath to walk in God's law that was given by Moses, the servant of God and to observe and do all the commandments of the Lord, our Lord, and his rules and his statutes. Now they spend some more time throughout chapter 10, you can read this, laying out what does that mean in their life? What is it that they actually need to make a plan to do? Some of it is how much they're going to give to God, how much they're going to be involved in the temple, how much they're going to be involved in their faith life again, because they realize that's an aspect that's necessary to do what God wants to do in their lives. So the question for you is, what are the plans that you need to do? What are the plans that you need to make that you need to consider today as God wants to make a difference in your life over the next 52 days, as God wants to rebuild? Lay out those plans. And finally, dedicate yourself. Dedicate yourself to what God wants to rebuild. I love it at the end of chapter 10, the end of chapter 10, they have one final line. One final line that just sums up what it is that they need more than anything to do, what they're going after, what they know God is rebuilding in their life. We will not neglect the house of our God. For 140 years, the, their, his people neglected his house. They recognized that because of neglecting his house, because of neglecting what God had called them to be a part of, they were missing out and they had gone astray and they were stuck in the mess that God never intended for their life. And so for you, what is that declarative statement that you need to make as God has revealed to you what he wants to rebuild in your life? As he has spent time in your life to say, this is the friendship that you need to get into or out of. This is the relationship you need to fix or to get out of. This is the business situation you need to fix or get out of. This is the emotions that you need to get under control. This is the anger that you need to get out. This is the resentment that you need to get away from. This is whatever it is that God wants to rebuild for your life. 
What is that declarative, dedicated statement that you need to make today that God is going to do in and through your life? Today I said it would be more like a workshop, and I mean it. Here's what I want us to do. On the back of your sermon outline are these same words with some blank space. The nice thing, we also provide pens right in front of you, or in the front row, maybe behind you. I want you to fill this out. I want you to fill this out. I, I don't want this to be that, okay, you sit here for 20, 25 minutes and say, oh, that was nice, Sean, thanks for the message. And then you leave, and this doesn't do anything in your life. I want you to do something with this. So I want you to fill it out. And here's the thing I'm going to do for you. I'm going to show you how I filled it out. I want you to see that I put time and thought into this because I, I want to be very honest with you in the hopes that you're very honest with yourself and honest with God. Because I can promise you none of us have arrived. We all have something, something in our lives that God wants to do differently. We all have something, something in our lives that God wants to take us out of the mess and move us to follow our Messiah. He wants to take us out of the rubble and rebuild something in our lives. And so what I'm going to do is I'm just going to walk through what my answers are, and I pray that it gives you a chance to fill out your answers so that you have a plan going forward in these next 52 days. So when I look at this, what does God want to rebuild in your life? For me, it's trust and relationships. I've had some things going on in the last few years that really challenged that, and I need to grow in that. So what part do I play? Where do I need to repent? Well, I need to repent here. It says, I've put space between me and others. I've created uncertainty by not trusting others with what I'm struggling with or of always, uh, always having to seem all right. I've put distance between me and others by not trusting that they could handle the worst of me and not just the best of me. I've always created situations where I could be in control rather than truly having partnerships with others, where I trust them more than I feel like I have to be in control of the situation with them. So for me, I realized that a lot of the trust situations, it's not that I'm the one that did the hurting of me. They chose that. But I put myself in situations where I, I seem to have to be in control, and when I realize I'm not, it hurts even more. And so I can repent of the fact that I, I've helped create some of these situations. And I need to get control of that. But I turn it over to God, and then I encounter Him. And where I encountered Him... Where I want to encounter him over these next 52 days is I want to read through the book of Jeremiah. I want to read through the book of Jeremiah because it's, it's kind of a sad book. Jeremiah is known as the weeping prophet. But what I love about Jeremiah is he constantly finds his hope and support in God. So where he finds struggle around him, where he continues to not know what direction to take, he always turns to God. So I want to read that. And I'll read that over the next 52 days and just spend some time in there and see what God would rebuild in my life as I encounter him where he promises to, be, to encounter us, and that's in his word. And what am I going to believe out of that? What's the promise of God that I'm going to hold on to? And I got this out of Jeremiah 17. Now, here's the thing. I'm, I did it this way because I want you to know that this is an okay way to do this. It's not that I know every verse in Scripture. I've read them, but it doesn't mean I remember. Oh, Jeremiah 17, 7 and 8 says this. I don't remember that. So you know how I found this? Well, there's this, there's this website out there. I think it might be a little new, Al. I think it's called Google. <laughs> Google? Yeah, I went to Google, and I typed in trusting others, scripture, enter. And guess what? All these websites came up. Some of them are terrible. Don't look at them. But I trust you. You're all smart people. So read through them, look through them. And what I did, I found some websites. I looked through, and I said, oh, that's a cool verse, or that's a cool verse. And then I read this one, and I said, yeah, that's, that's the promise that I need. 
So it's very easy. If you need to find that promise of God, that, that scripture verse that you can hold on to, that truth that you can hold on to for these next 52 days, because the rebuilding process is not easy. You're going to run into some challenges. It's going to hurt sometimes. And you need to be able to hold on to not your strength, but his. And so for me, it was Jeremiah 17. Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord, whose trust is the Lord. He is like a tree planted by water that sends out its roots by the stream and does not fear when heat comes, for its leaves remain green and is not anxious in the year of drought, for it does not cease to bear fruit. For me to read, I'm a trust in God, but the way I can trust in others is because God's going to be my trust, whose trust is God. And it doesn't promise that things aren't going to get rough. There's going to be heat and drought and trials and troubles but it's because I have trust in God that it's going to get me through. And so these next 52 days may be a struggle, but I know that God is the one I can trust in, and it's in God who I will have trust. It's in God who will give me the ability to have trust in others. And so I challenge you to think about what is that verse for you? Use that newfangled invention called Google. Do whatever you need to do to find that promise of God and who He is and what you're going to believe in. Then understand your past. Understand where you're coming from. For me, I said, because of my past experiences, I tend to close myself off from sharing too much with too many. I need to recognize how my lack of trust may cause a lack of strong relationships today. When I feel like I need to be in control, it means that I'm always in control of how much I let out, and I don't always want to let out with the people closest to me, because I want them to be able to lean on me. And I realize that that's helped create some of my stuff today, so I need to be honest with God so I don't get stuck there, and I don't repeat this. So then, what am I going to invest in? What's my new direction? I'm going to create opportunities within my schedule each week to spend time with those I need to have trust in. Very specific. This is what I'm going to do. When I lay out those plans that I have, when I lay out those faith-filled plans, here's what I'm going to do. Each week I'm going to go to breakfast or lunch with one friend. I'm going to take a weekend to spend with a longtime friend I've neglected with all that I've had going on. I'm going to spend time each morning reading God's promises and each day text a key person in my life what I've learned and grown in through that experience. Again, very specific. Here's what I'm going to do. As God works and rebuilds in my life, here's what I'm going to dedicate myself to. And then my statement that I'm going to dedicate myself to is this. I will trust in God who will be my trust with others. That's my banner statement for this next 52 days. And again, I'm, I'm challenging you. I'm being very open and real and honest with you because I want you to be honest with yourself. And I want you to be honest with God. I want you to actually write down those things on that sheet that I've given you so that you can look at it. I'm not asking you to declare it to anybody else. I'm not asking you to, to stand up and tell us right now, but I'm asking you to be real and to be honest and to keep looking at it. And over the next 52 days, see how God continues to work as you repent and as you encounter, as you believe and understand, as you invest, as you lay out those plans and you dedicate yourself, just imagine what God can do if you walk in that truth. Because here's the thing, I don't want you to get stuck in the messes of yesterday. God wants us to grow beyond our mess to follow our Messiah. God has something more for you than where you've been. And maybe you go, John, I'm good. I think everything's fine. A little denial. You should ask the people around you. They might go, yeah, you're kind of a jerk. Kind of a jerk. 
Or this might be a problem for you. Or, man, you complain about your job a lot. Maybe you should consider this. Or, man, everybody around you keeps telling you to get out of this relationship. And you just don't. Why aren't you listening to the people? And again, it's going to cost something. It costs the people their blood, sweat, and tears. They fought to rebuild that wall. And all it was was so that God could show them, look what I can accomplish through you. Now let me accomplish even more in you. So what is God looking to accomplish in you these next 52 days? As God seeks to rebuild and you repent and you encounter, you believe in him, you understand him, you understand your past and where you've come from, you invest in a new direction, you lay out these plans and you dedicate yourself to them, what is God going to do as he rebuilds? Because here's the thing, 52 days from today, including today, is going to be Christmas Day. Christmas Day is the day that I want you to wake up, and you can either wake up being grateful that you just got to another Christmas, or being amazed of what God has accomplished in and through your life in the last 52 days. Jesus has always been in the business of restoring and rebuilding us, and getting us out of the mess. And when we talk about a Messiah, Messiah simply means a Savior. See, Jesus has been doing this from the very time, from the very beginning was his promise, but we saw it when he got on that cross and he died for you and for me, was to take us out of the mess of our sin, to take us out of the mess of our past, and to give us a new future. But here's the thing, so often we just see what he did on the cross as a ticket to heaven, and this whole time in between, we think we just have to suffer through it, and yet our God says, no, let me rebuild now and today, and he doesn't promise it's going to be perfect. There's going to be drought, and there's going to be heat, and there's going to be trials, and there's going to be a cost. But God still has more in store for you. Right here and right now, today, He is hoping to rebuild something in your life. It is not by chance that we are preaching on Nehemiah right now. It is not by chance that there is 52 days from today until Christmas. It is not by chance that our God is speaking these words to you right now. It is not by chance. Is by a plan that is way bigger than mine and way bigger than yours. By a planner who is the one that created the very earth that we are on. Who is the one that had all power, that he was able to speak. And there was, when there was no light, he said, let there be. And there was light. When he, you, all you had was sin and desperation, he spoke and he acted and he took that away and gave you hope and restoration. Let him do that in you, in you and through you now. Don't just sit on the sidelines and think, oh, that's a nice sermon, that's a nice message. And go get some lunch. See what God will do. Let him work in you as he rebuilds. But join with him. Join with him on the journey. Let's pray. Father God, we come to you, God, because we need you. We need who you are. We need every bit of who you are in our lives, God. You restore and you repair and you rebuild. God, right now we are praying that you would rebuild in us what needs to be rebuilt. Maybe there are things in our lives that we have just been neglecting. Maybe there are things we've just been avoiding. God, you know what it is. And God, even right now we get to receive another gift from you where through simple bread and wine you put your very body and blood in, in it and with it and under it, God, so that we can receive what you want for us. Another gift that takes us out of the mess of our sins and restores us with you. 
So God, right now, we ask you to hear our hearts, God, as we confess to you, as we repent even right now of those messes of our past, those sins that we have struggled with, God, we ask you to hear our hearts and prepare us to receive the gift of your body and blood that you, that you offer to us today. The very building blocks, the very foundation of what you're going to build happens right here and right now as we receive you, the foundation of our forevers and the foundation of our today. So God, hear us now as we confess our hearts to you. Father, thank you for being a safe place for us to be able to turn to and to share our struggles and our sins with. God, thank you that we can believe in you and trust in you that even when we repent of the deepest and darkest stuff in our lives, God, you are so faithful and good that you've already even forgiven it. So God, thank you for that forgiveness won for us through the saving grace earned on the cross and through the empty tomb. God, now let us receive that and prepare our hearts to now receive you. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Please know this, today and every day, our Lord Jesus died to not just give you a ticket to heaven, but to give you freedom today. So today, hear this, you are forgiven. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. That's why when our Lord Jesus was on this earth, and he was with his believers and his followers, he wanted to give them something that was real, that they could receive, and so he gave them himself. That's why on the night when he was betrayed, he took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it, and he gave it to his disciples, saying, take ye, this is my body, which has been given for you. In the same way also, after supper, he took the cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, this cup is a new covenant. It's my blood, which is for the forgiveness of your sins. This do as often as you drink of it remembering me. This is a real gift from our God, to receive Him. If you don't know about our communion, you're new here, you can read the statement that's on the screen. But I invite you to receive what God has offered for you. And now may this true body and true blood of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ may it strengthen you and preserve you in the one true faith until you get to see Him face to face. Now receive his blessing. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May he make his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord look upon you with favor and give you his peace. Of knowing he's rebuilding. Let's join in. Amen.